What is God calling you to? Is it connecting with God through reading His Word or falling on your knees in worship and prayer? Maybe He's asking you to join a community or begin that ministry He put on your heart. How do I take the next steps from just attending church to becoming an active member of the body of Christ? What does it mean to become fully transformed in the image of Christ? Whatever it is, let us press on, press toward, and let us press in to what God has called us. Well, good morning, Colonial Woods. I realize that uh, many of you were here last week, but I was not. I was, uh, this is my first one of the new year, and so, uh, Happy New Year! Good. I said Merry Christmas to you on Christmas Eve. So anyway, glad to be here this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn to Mark chapter 5? We're going to dig into a, a new series, a new theme for 2023. Last week was kind of eventful for us. We got home after Christmas morning services and had a couple of days off. And then on Wednesday, I drove 2,000 miles in my little Ford Focus with uh, Wesley and um, moved him into his new place in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Arizona and uh, got them all kind of set up and then on New Year's Day flew back into South Bend Indiana able to see my mom the next day or so and then came back in and hit the ground running on Wednesday and man we're here already and so glad you're with us today I'm going to tell you a little secret about myself in fact you might find it kind of hard to believe but um, I don't like crowds very much I really don't Dan I don't know if you knew that or not now you you love crowds I I, I don't like crowds. And in fact, you're saying, well, that sounds really silly. You, you pastor a fairly large church. You notice where I'm standing. I, I'm not in the middle of the crowd. I, it's not that I don't like crowds. It's that I don't like being in crowds. I, uh, I, I don't like to be surrounded by people. I conferences. I don't really enjoy going to them. I feel a little overwhelmed when I've got a lot of people. Uh, I, I, I really don't enjoy that much going to football games. I would much rather sit in my recliner and have my refrigerator and, and sit back and watch the crowd on TV. I, I, I don't like driving in a crowd. I don't like driving in Detroit. I'd much rather be in the thumb of Michigan driving the back roads looking for deer than I, I would be. I'd, I'd rather sit in a deer stand than in an airport. It just isn't my, my thing. And, and I, the reason for it is, uh, uh, is that I, I've never been diagnosed but I, I struggle with keeping my attention in the middle of a lot of people. If I'm talking to somebody and there are all kinds of people around, I have a hard time focusing on anything. It's, uh, they, I always, I, listen, whether I was pastor or not, I'd sit in the front row because that's the only way I can pay attention. I have a hard time with that. I like worshiping and being in the front row or on a corner or something like that. Some of you can identify with that. But the other thing is, is I find I, I get a little overwhelmed when I'm surrounded by people. And so I'll, I'll pop in. I love being out in the foyer talking to people, but I, I kind of hive off and talk to individuals. It's just easier for me to do that. And spiritually, I was thinking about that this week and, and realized there are things spiritually that oftentimes kind of distract me. They war for my attention. It's, it's hard for me to focus in. And this last quarter, 
of 2022, I was in a time of prayer. I think I probably say that phrase to you all the time. I was in prayer and the Lord spoke to me and it's amazing how often that happens, but uh, it was probably in October and uh, a brother of mine was praying and prayed something about, Lord, we press into you. And you know how you've heard things over the years and um, never really paid attention to it. And then it's kind of like in divine, God's divine timing, what he says, it just, it just resonates in your heart. And that phrase, press in, press in, really caught my attention. And I came back to the office and I, I began to just kind of focus in. What does that mean? What does it mean to press into God? When people pray and they say, Lord, we press into you, what, is, what does that mean? And, and how do we do it? And how do we go deeper with the Lord? And as we came into December, uh, a series had kind of developed in my heart and I began to share it with some of the staff. And I said, I'll be honest with you, my theme, my theme for 2023 and is just simply press in. Press in, Lord, I just want to get closer to you. I want to press into what you have for me. And as a staff, we began to talk about it and realize, man, we feel like that's God's word for us for 2023, not just a series to kick off the new year, but, but really a focus throughout the entire year. And so we're, we're going to go on this journey. We won't always use that phrase, but throughout this year, we're going to just simply press in to what God wants to do in our lives as we go deeper with Him. Aren't we glad that God promises us that if we draw near to Him, He'll draw near to us? And I went to prayer this morning and my alarm woke me out of the middle of a dead sleep. It was not a good way to wake up. Got to change that phone alarm. It was too shrill. And, and I got up and I, I went out to my place and I was cold and I wrapped my blanket around me and I got down at the chair that I always pray at and the first thing that came to my mind was, Lord, I am so grateful that you invite me to come to you in prayer. And I'm so glad that, God, I get to worship you today and that you promise that if I'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to me. And a passage of Scripture that came to my mind as soon as I began to think about this series was found in Mark chapter 5. Now, now this story is found in Matthew as well and Luke, but Mark pays special attention to it. And it's an incredible passage because in Mark chapter 5, Mark is trying to help us see the authority that Jesus Christ has. He, he has authority over the storms, and so he, he calms the storm early in that passage. He, he, has the, the, he has authority over demons as he heals the, de, uh, the, the demoniac, and he has authority over our physical challenges, even death, as he heals Jairus' daughter who has passed away. But tucked in, in the middle of there, there is this story of the woman with the bleeding disorder that touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Mark chapter 5, verse 24 says it this way, A large crowd followed and pressed around him, Jesus. Luke says they, they almost crushed him. They crushed in around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. 
At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around into the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Well, you can see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now this is a powerful passage. We could focus in on the healing that God does and and our, our faith as we reach out to Him and come close to Him. We could talk about the nature of the disciples. There's all kinds of things you could focus on. But as I looked at this, it was interesting. It struck me that this woman, the inference is that she was part of the crowd She was part of those who were pressing in to Christ and pressing around him, yet she knew the answer for her healing was going to be found in Christ, and so she pressed in further. And it struck me, and there are probably all kinds of barriers to her getting to Christ, but there were three specific barriers that as I was dissecting this passage this week, it jumped out at me. And the first one is just large crowds. Large crowds, and, 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 and that the barrier of the large crowd wasn't that there were other people in the way. The barrier of the large crowd is an attitude that says that God's got way more important things than my thing that I'm dealing with. I remember um, a guy's name was Jim. I was a student in Bible college. I was a pastor in a little local church, and I laid carpet through Matthew's Carpet Center in Oskaloosa, Iowa. That was where I was at. By the way, Iowa. I just found out this week the, the, the oldest person in the United States, Bessie, I think her name was Bessie, 115 years. She, she passed away at 115 years old. I'm 55. I'm not even middle-aged yet. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to make it. But I remember Jim as I talked to him, and Jim had kind of a he, he was a spiritual guy, but he had a, kind of a different view of God. And I remember as we talked about prayer, him saying to me, and it always resonated with me, he said, uh, he said God's got way more important things on his mind than me, and so that's why we, we can pray to others and those who have passed away, and we can ask them to go on our behalf to Jesus and talk to him. And aren't we glad the Lord invites us to come right to the throne room through Jesus Christ. And we don't have to go through others to do that. He invites us to come near. And I think sometimes we think God's got more important things than my need. And there's a barrier because sometimes, what is it James says, you have not because you ask not. I don't think sometimes we press near because we're not really sure God really wants to. And I don't really know how you view God. We're a church and we're a family and I'm guessing if we went through this room and we were to ask people how you view God, there might be 50 or 100 different ideas. I grew up with a, a messed up view of God. I grew up really believing that God was in the balcony of life just waiting for me to mess up so that he could just pound me when I messed up. Some of you have a a similar view of God. 
And when I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I shared this story with my son Wesley as we spent 33 hours on the road. But I told him the night that I fell in love with God and I said it was because I realized that Jesus describes his heavenly father as the prodigal father who watches the son who messes up in every way and yet never stops loving, never stops looking, never stops waiting. And when the son comes to his senses and returns to him, it says he embraces him and the Greek word is and he kissed him over and over and over again. And then instead of shaming him, he celebrates that his son has come home. And then Jesus says that if you knew me, you would know my father because if you know my father, you know me. He says when you see me, you're seeing how the father thinks about you. He's not too busy for you. And you gotta get past that barrier to press in. The, the second barrier that I noticed was just simply um, her exhaustion and specifically her exhausted resources. Now, Mark gets very specific and I want you to see this. It says, uh, and a woman, which that's strike one. Because in this particular culture, that would not have put her at the top of the social calendar. If you're trying to get in to see an important person, that wouldn't put you at the front of the list. And, and, and things are much, much different today. Maybe they're not entirely different, but much different. And, but in that culture, that would have kind of put a strike already. And so there's a woman who had been subject to bleeding. Um, the RSV says she had been subject to the flow of blood. We, we believe that rather than... Uh, uh, some type of a blood disorder, she probably, this was gynecological. Still serious and still would have weakened her and still would have been ongoing. And I did a little research on this condition, medically speaking, and it can have tremendous impact. But, but she was subject to bleeding for 12 years. And she had suffered at a, a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had and yet instead of getting better, she got worse. Now, now as you look at that, she exhausted every option because she'd gone to many doctors and some of you know you've gone to every clinician, you've gone to every therapist, you've gone, you've tried every herb, you've tried every oil, you've tried every, you're looking for the solutions to whatever it is that you're asking the Lord to do and there's a point where you get discouraged because you, you, there's, you, you tried everything. And she exhausted all of her finances because it says that she spent everything that she had. And then, if you think about it, she really exhausted hope because this has been 12 years. In fact, some of you know what it is to have been seeking and asking God to do something for 12 years. In fact, for some of you, it's been 20 years and, and it's any myriad of things. It can be related to an intercession for another person in your life or a child in your life who's struggling or your own addiction in your life or a mental illness that you struggle with or a physical challenge or some have been begging God to allow them to become parents 
Some have been asking God to intercede on behalf of a different kind of a need. You see, I don't know what it is that you've been struggling with for five, eight, 10, 12, many years. But when you struggle with something for so long, there comes this desperation where you kind of lose hope. And so she had to not just get past the crowd, but it's the attitude that says that if God hasn't done it by now, why would I ever think he's going to do it? And then the last one that I noticed was a barrier is, if I can say it this way, it's her perception of how important her need really was because she had a bleeding disorder. It was serious, it was life impactful, but it was likely not life threatening. And so it'd be really easy to say, you know, there are people who have it far worse than I do. And that may be true, and that's not a bad way to look at things when you tend to focus only on your own need. But but can I share with you, this was a pretty life-altering condition for her. Because according to Leviticus chapter 15 in the Old Testament, that when a woman, or a man, but when a woman was bleeding, she was considered unclean for at least seven days. And by the way, not only was she unclean, anything she touched was unclean. Anyone she touched was unclean. Her children would be unclean. If she was married, her husband would be unclean. And because of this, there was this incredible stigma It's amazing how often when you look at at who Jesus interacted with, that he was dealing with a social, cultural stigma of shame that was attached to them. Um, If it was a leper, there was a stigma. If it was a woman with a bleeding disorder, there was a stigma. If it was a sinful past, it was a stigma. If it's, if it's an addiction, it's a stigma. If it's a, if it's an emotional need, there's a stigma. If there's a financial need, there's a stigma. And it brings a sense of shame. And and interestingly, not only was there shame, it really separated her from life because she wasn't allowed to engage in worship or temple. In fact, I read one commentator and it was interesting what he said. If she was married this would have been grounds for divorce because she couldn't have cared for the children without making the children unclean and she couldn't have been with him in any way, especially intimately, without making him unclean. And so it would have been grounds for divorce. And if she wasn't married, it certainly wasn't going to get her any dates. And so it just simply further isolated her. And notice it says she suffered at the hands of many doctors. I have a feeling that it wasn't just her condition that was she was suffering. I have a feeling her treatment. I mean, today we treat that much differently with hormones and all kinds of things. There are medical answers, but then imagine the archaic, the challenges she would have faced. And you're saying, Pastor, why are you focusing on this? Well, just this. You may not think it's that big a deal or that you're not that important, but I I would say this, that if it's important to you, it's important to Him. Whatever it is. 
And you see the image of God as Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Wouldn't it be something that as things have been coming to your mind of what you've been asking God to do or the person you've been asking God to intercede or the answer that God's been bringing, wouldn't it be something if God looked at you and said, child, your faith has healed you. The answer's coming. Press in. Press in. And you're saying, well, what's the big deal about pressing into God? Well, I was thinking about that because when I press into God, it puts me in a position, it puts me in a position where I'm close enough where he can do a healing work. Hey, can I just tell you today that if you're here today and you don't know what it is to be forgiven of your sins and you feel like you're carrying that past and that shame, the greatest healing God talks about in Psalm 103 is that he forgives all of our sins. It's the greatest healing God will ever do. And God heals when we simply press in and are willing to ask Christ to forgive us. And it says in Scripture that, that, he, that if we will confess our sins, we press in, he'll faithful and just and forgives, forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, or whether it's physical or emotional or wherever it's at spiritually. Or it's, it's interesting that we begin to experience God's healing when we get close, but then we also are close enough to begin to experience transformation in our life. Isn't it interesting that when Moses pressed in to the Lord, there was a glow on his face that was so impactful, people had a hard time looking at him because it was, the, it was this glow of God's presence in his life. But the one that really hits me is that as you press in, press in, as you press in, you begin to hear God's heartbeat for you. Danny, I don't know if you've ever did this or not. You're a, you're a fairly... Well, you're a dad. I'm not going to ask you when you were a little boy. I don't know if you ever were a little boy, but you probably were a little boy. But you've got a little boy, and his name's Wilson. And I don't know, but I don't know. You kind of seem like a touchy-feely kind of a guy, and you seem to, to really love your kids. And I know you and Wilson have a special bond. But probably, he's getting a little bit bigger now, but he's still just a little twig. But but. There's something about when your child just sits on your lap. And I would say it's pretty rare that he's actually quiet and doesn't move. I mean, I, Wilson's quite a, he's got quite a bit of energy. But those rare times where he just simply sits on your lap and just puts his ear up to your chest or allows you for a moment to hold him. Man, there is nothing like that. And it's interesting, if you've ever done that with anyone, however, as you settle down, you begin to hear thump, 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 thump. And you begin to hear their heartbeat. And it's interesting that as we quiet ourselves and as we press in and as we, as we just simply are in the presence of God, how we begin to hear his heartbeat and his heartbeat not only instructs us of what his will is for our life but it's his word for us and there's a difference God's will is direction God's word 
is simply the, the understanding of what it is God wants us to hear at that moment. And if you think through Scripture, there are all kinds of illustrations of those who press in and God does something incredible. Moses pressed in in, in Exodus 33. Moses pressed in to the Lord and as he went and he pressed in in the tent of meeting and he was desperate and he was honest and he sought the Lord. He said, Lord, you've got to teach me how to lead these people, and I need you to do this. And the Lord simply gave him a word. Here's the word. I'll go with you. He didn't say it's going to be easy. He didn't say I'm going to take away the pressure of leadership. He didn't say that I'm going to have the people never grumble against you because that just is, I mean, there are some miracles even God. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He can do anything. He's a way maker, miracle worker. I think we sang that a little bit ago. He just simply said, Moses, you can walk through what I'm going to ask you to walk through because I'm going to be right there with you. And Paul cried out to God. He talks about being hard-pressed. He talks about pressing on. But in a moment, he's crying out to God to do a healing in his life. We don't know exactly what it was, but he says, I, I beg God. I ask God three times. And it's more, the idea there is simply these were protracted times of prayer. And he said, Lord, just please remove this thorn in my flesh. And the Lord gave him a word. Know what it was? My grace will be sufficient for you. I'm going to help you carry this, but you got to carry it. But you won't carry it alone. And Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane pressed in. It says three times. Lord, if you could please remove this cup. Not as I will, but your will. Lord, remove this cup. And we don't exactly know what the word was that the Lord gave to Jesus, but we know he gave him a word because there was a moment at the end of that time of prayer where Jesus just simply stands up and looks at Judas coming up the path and says, rise. Let's go meet the betrayer. Whatever it was that the Lord said to him steeled his resolve and prepared him to walk the path that he was about to walk. Press in. There's an old hymn of faith I thought about this morning. Actually, I wrote it real quickly in my notes. I was just getting ready to come out, do the first service, and um, some of you will know it, some of you won't. The chorus just simply goes, um, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Any of you remember that? 
If you know it, sing it with me, would you? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Translation. Press in. And then he can press on. And I don't know what it is that God has for you in 2023. But I guarantee he has something. And I don't know if it's a spiritual victory. I don't know if it's a spiritual depth. I don't know if it's an intercessory need for another. An answer that you've been waiting for. A need that is met. An addiction, whatever that word means to you. Wouldn't it be something? Child, your faith has healed you. Be freed from your suffering. Maybe that's God's word. And we could talk about how to do that, and we're going to talk about it over the next couple of weeks as we talk about prayer and the Word and how God leads us and how we go into the deeper places with Him and the place of the body as we go deeper. And But you're going to notice up here on the altar, in fact, as you leave, there'll be folks there with these cards. And it really isn't about today, and it's not even really about coming, although if you want to come, we want you to come. We're going to distribute some of those cards as you leave today, and I'd love for you just to put that in a place where it can specifically speak to you this week about what is it that you're pressing in this year to God for. We've got this huge cork board press in thing as you walk out that throughout the next weeks and throughout this year as God gives you something you just want to put it there as a as a demonstration of faith as you reach out to the Lord but God's calling us to press in God's going to do something and he's got a will and a word for you as you press in. Father, thank you. You are so gracious and you use such a myriad of life stories to speak to us and you don't just take the, the spectacular and you don't only use the, what we think of as the deeper desperations of life. You use every area of life because for those that are here this morning as the Spirit of God is prompting and speaking and tapping 
there's a very real and very personal desires that are on those hearts and you're, you're calling them to draw near. And I'm praying for healing and I'm praying for transformation and I'm praying for your heartbeat. But Lord, my prayer, the more I preached it just this last few minutes, it's to hear the words, child, your faith has healed you. Be freed from your suffering. And I'm praying, Lord, for freedom from whatever it is that is causing suffering in your children's lives today. And we reach out and we reach up as little kids. And we embrace what it is that you have for us this year. Steal our resolve, give us the word, and walk with us into the freedom you have for us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.